0: Bump your neighbor, tell them you look good in church, and you can be seated in the house of God. Bump your other choice neighbor and tell them them you look good too. Even if you have to bend the truth a little bit. I'll close my eyes when I say that. Jesus Christ, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He came to earth and lived a sinless, everybody say sinless, the only one, he lived a sinless life for you and for me. The Bible says that uh, he grew in, in wisdom and stature and got to be about 30 years old, started his ministry, and for three years he walked the planet doing all sorts of good, healing them that were sick, casting out devils, doing miracles, preaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven, which was actually at hand at that time because he was there. And he spent three years doing this, and at the end of his three years, the Bible says that he willingly laid his life down. He became a curse for you and me. The Bible says cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. You and me should be cursed, but we are not cursed not because we have earned it and not just because God is good, but rather because God is good and our price has been paid. The Bible says that cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. Jesus became that curse for you and me, but before that happened, the Bible says he was beaten when we should have been beaten. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And by the stripes on His back, you and me have been healed. Our physical body, our mental mind, uh, the, the nature of our heart, we have been healed in every capacity possible by the suffering of Christ Jesus. And in this suffering, several things happen. One, they tied him to a post. And maybe you've seen the movie The Passion. I, I don't know if that's exactly how it happened. Uh, but, but they tied him to a post. And historically, that's probably the way they did it. And they, they, they beat him and they, they whipped him with a, 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 a whip that, that had uh, pieces of metal and pieces of bone, possibly pieces of glass, all tied in it, and they would hit him with it. And and, and he was he was tied to that post. And I just wonder if he was maybe holding on to that post. I, I could imagine it if I was being 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 beaten over the back. I would probably when when the whip I'd probably grab that post. And I wonder if his calloused Galilean hands began to think of his earthly father at all in that moment. You see, he was raised by a man named Joseph who was not his heavenly father, but God trusted Joseph to be uh, his stepdad and to raise him and to take care of him and to take him where he needed to go. And Joseph was an interesting guy. Joseph was a carpenter, which means he worked with wood. So undoubtedly, he taught Jesus how to make things out of wood. How cool would it be to be teaching Jesus something? Because you know, Jesus is actually thinking. He's like, I actually made the wood that you're telling me how to make. Stuff with, And he's sitting there and he's holding that wooden beam and I wonder if he was holding it thinking, you know, my dad and me, we could have made something so much nicer out of this beam than a post of destruction. He goes to court, or after he'd been to court, they beat him. And then later, they said they're going to crucify him. And, and, and the Romans took, and what was supposed to be the hardest and most heinous form of execution imaginable, thought, uh, thought to strike fear in everyone who saw it, was crucifixion by cross. They had a beam going this way and a beam going this way. You could see the crosses. And they would nail him to the cross, and he was suspended between earth and heaven as a go-between between us and God His Father. And, and, and before he got to the hill to be pierced and to be nailed to that wooden beam, he had to carry that wood up the hill. And I wonder if, if, if when he picked up the beam and put it on his shoulder and he held it, I wonder if he got a splinter or maybe one in on his shoulder and he was carrying it. And he, he was carrying it thinking, you know, I could have made a beautiful table with this. I could have built a beautiful home with this. We could have built another synagogue. This could have been a beam in the house of God. And he's carrying it up the hill. And all I could think of was the fact that his father, his earthly father, had taught him from the time he was a boy how to handle wood, how to handle lumber. And then in his last days before he was killed, his last moments before he was killed, he was doing what his father had taught him to do, carrying lumber. And then I think about you and me. What have we gone through that have given us the calluses on the hands of our heart that have perfectly positioned us to carry up a hill when nobody else understands. To carry up a hill our own cross. You know the Bible says to take up your cross and the Bible says to crucify our flesh daily. I can't carry your cross and you can't carry my cross and the more you look at my cross and wish you could the more you're going to leave your cross laying laying by the side. It's time for you and me to quit despising what we've been through that has positioned us for what we're going to and to say I'm going to pick up what God is calling me to carry. Somebody give God a big hand of praise. His earthly father taught him how to carry wood the right way. See, son, if you carry something this heavy in your hands, you're going to drop it and you won't make it all the way up. I wonder if he was halfway up the place of the skull, a place called Golgotha. I wonder if he was halfway up if he thought, I'm so glad Joseph taught me how to carry this load because even though I am beaten and I am tired, I know I will make it to the top because of what I have endured in my past. There is something in your past that you endured that you shouldn't have. There's something in your past that you made it through that you shouldn't have made it through. There's something in your past that you should not have made it to the other side but by the grace of God Himself you made it to the other side and it is this knowledge, it is the understanding of this testimony that perfectly positioned you to to make it to the top of the hill that you're climbing now. You see, Jesus rose from the dead three days after He was killed and then for about 40 days He made Himself known to His disciples. He sat with them and talked with them. He spoke to them very intimately about the things that would come and what they should do. And if you've ever spoken to your children, you know that you will give them some information in the beginning, but you give them the important stuff at the end. And you always kind of tell them, hey, now, listen, now's the time. For instance... Uh, we just got back uh, from, from Guatemala, and, and while we were there, I told them before we got on the plane to leave, I said, now listen, this is not like here. You don't, you don't walk on the sidewalk like you walk on the sidewalk in Texas. You, th- number one, there is no sidewalk. <laughs> but number two, there's going to be cars going so fast, and they do not stay in their own lane. Matter of fact, there some places there are no lanes. They just drive. I said, and there's going to be people there that that there's people everywhere, but there's going to be people there that that really want to do harm to other people. I said it happens here, but but there there's the crime is very high. So you listen to your mom and your dad. While we, you listen to me, there will not be any games played. You listen to me. This is important. But then when we got there, I told them again. Because what you say in the end is most oftentimes more important than you say in the beginning. So what Jesus said right before he ascended into heaven to go uh, prepare a place for you and me, to go sit next to his dad on the throne, and to begin to intercede for you and me, the last thing he said, one of the very last things he said, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. He said, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. Power. Come on, say power. Power. Oh, y'all sound good. He said, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Number one, the Holy Spirit is nothing to be afraid of. Even when He is called the Holy Ghost. And every time you see Holy Ghost in the Bible, it could have just as easily been translated Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. He's nothing to be afraid of. He is the the, the portion of the Godhead. God is made of three different parts. Uh, 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 he is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. All supernaturally, all at the same time. And one of the greatest mysteries that has ever been. We will understand it completely when we get to heaven. But the Holy Spirit is your helper in the here and now. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. Everybody say Witness. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. If Jesus was saying this to you and me today, he would say, You shall be witnesses unto me both in Bryan College Station, in the Brazos Valley, in Texas, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You will be witnesses. Jesus said, I need you to be my witness. See, a witness is something very interesting. When a witness goes to court, they give first-hand account of something they've seen or experienced. A witness gives first-hand account of something they have seen or they have experienced. Which means a witness is a very important role in the verdict of somebody else's life. A witness is extremely important when there is a decision or a verdict that has come to in somebody else's life and the witness is brought to the witness stand and the witness is never asked to talk about what they don't know only about what they have seen or experienced. When it comes to living for God, you and me come to a place where we understand I need to be a witness. I need to tell somebody about the Lord. But for you and for me, we have to understand God didn't call you first to be a Bible scholar, even though it's important for us to know the Word of God. God called you to be a witness in Bryan College Station, in the Brazos Valley, in Texas, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. This is imperative because a witness changes the verdict for somebody else. A witness shares what they have seen which changes the opinions of others and now everything begins to come together in a way that helps them more than it could have possibly ever helped them before. A witness is an expert at what they have seen and God never asks you to tell anybody what you don't know, only what you do know. I tell my story up here almost every week. I tell my story up here uh, almost every week. Some part of my life will spill out, not because it's better than your life, but because I don't know your life and I happen to be an expert on my own. You see, being a witness is not telling somebody what you don't know. Being a witness is telling somebody what you do know. And if you decide to be a witness, you see, sometimes you can be brought into court and you can be a witness and all of a sudden it puts you in a dangerous situation. And the government or law enforcement will do something for you. They will put you in witness protection. They will tell you, here's the thing. When you share the experience that you have and you alone, we will place you in witness protection. And witness protection is very interesting. They take you from everything that you know and they give you a new identity. They take you from everything that's common to you and they take you to a place of what is uncommon or unusual. You have to have a new identity and then you have to have a new home. Because even if your name was was John Wayne before and they changed your name to Jim Brown, when you become Jim Brown, you can't go back and start uh, 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 going to the same places. You've got to have a new home. And when you have a new home now, not only under witness protection, do you not do you have a new identity and a new home? Now you also have to have new relationships because everybody that knew you as John Wayne now has to has to uh, uh, you have to separate from some of that and get to a place of new relationships where Jim Brown is the center. This new thing, everything becomes new. You get a new identity, a new home. You get new relationships, and you get new responsibilities everything about your life has to change when you go into witness protection because you can change all of that and if you worked at Home Depot before and you went back to Home Depot after you went in witness protection, everybody there is going to be like, listen, John. And you're like, no, now my name is Jim. You'll know your name is John. You've been working there for five years. So you've got to get a new job when you go into witness protection. You've got to change everything. Somebody say everything. you got to change it all. Well when you live for God, it's the exact same thing spiritually. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things pass away, and behold all things somebody say all things all things become new. When you come in Christ Jesus, when you become a Christian, everything becomes new. Old things have to pass away. The Bible says all that you become a new creature. The reason He says new creature is because in Mark 16, the Bible says that we're to preach the gospel to every creature. He could have said to every person. But the reality is, is there's only two types of creatures in the human race. There are those that are in Christ Jesus and those that are not in Christ Jesus. So when he said, preach the gospel to every creature, he was saying, you need to preach the gospel not only to people who already believe, but you need to get out of your comfort zone, you need to be a witness, and you need to share your faith with people who don't believe. So I don't even know the Bible, preacher, how do I say that? He didn't ask you. He said, I need you to be a witness, and a witness talks about their experience, not somebody else's experience. He said, I need you to be a witness in Bryan College Station. I need you to be a witness in the Brazos Valley. I need you to be a witness in Texas. And I need you to be a witness to the uttermost parts of the world. In other words, I need you to be a witness where you think you can reach. I need you to be a witness to where you think you could reach if you really extended. And I need you to be a witness to the area that you don't think you'll ever make it. But when I send you, I need you to be a witness. Give God a big hand of praise. When you become a new creature in Christ, when you become a new creature in who He is, everything changes. But the first thing that changes is you get a new identity. Somebody say identity. Identity. The interesting thing about a new identity is this. You can't continue to roll in the pigs with your old, with the pigs with your old identity. And be surprised when you wake up muddy. If you keep talking about your old identity like a moth to a flame. Your old relationships, the old habits, the old thoughts, they're just going to pile back on you. No, you're a new creature in Christ. Old things, let me tell you what they did. They pass away, but let me tell you what Christians are good at. They're good at resurrection. We start looking at our old life and we're like, come on back to me, old life. It was so good back then. And then you get shocked that you fell back into what you were doing before and the reality was it's because you were talking about your old identity when God's living in your new identity. You can't, you can't run you can't run with this. You keep talking about your... Let me, t- let me just give you an example. This is going to get real quiet in here for a minute or two. You wonder why the bar is like a magnet for your car? That's because you keep thinking about your old life, and you stop thinking about your new life. You you wonder why you you keep having the same thoughts just just circling through your mind constantly. It's because you haven't cast down vain imaginations and everything that is contrary to the Word of God. Which means you're paying attention. You're paying more attention to your old identity than you are your new identity. God's sitting here saying I'm trying to make you able to do all things through the strength of my son and you're talking about all stuff you can't do No, oh, there's something about a new identity I get a call from some of my friends that they call me hey Brian how's it going you know, I'm, I'm talking about like those rowdy friends like Ray Ray and Bubba and, and, and Pookie and, 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 and JJ <laughs> come on somebody those rowdy friends <laughs> talk about them rowdy ones I answer the phone, and and they say, say, hello. It's like, what's up, Brian? And immediately, I'm like, what's up, dog? How you been? Oh, my gosh, it's been so long. And everything's good for about 30 seconds. And then they want to dive back into old Brian. And I ain't trying to talk about old Brian. I'm not proud of O'Brien. I'm not impressed about O'Brien. O'Brien's got nothing for me. i tell you what I'm doing. I'm pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. You get a new identity. You leave the old one behind. You can't be two people. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You can't do one or the other. Excuse me. You have to do one or the other. You can't do. Oh, I'll do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You'll wake up frustrated every day of your life, every day, and you'll have a little success, and then you'll fall back. You say, "Why do I fall back?" Well, you keep going back to that same identity, and it attracts. Let me tell you what. You, this is going to shock you because you're going to be like, "My friends are so arrogant. I can't believe my friends." Let me tell you something. You attract what you are. I'll tell it to the light you attract what you are you, you, you look around and your friends are all crazy look in the mirror for a minute and be like hold on you attract what you are when you become a new creature in Christ I'm not saying you get rid of them completely but let me tell you something you get a new identity and you get new relationships I say relationships relationships are critical because relationships life let me tell you something life moves at the speed of relationships in other words if you're tied to a to to somebody that's always got a problem let me tell you that's a heavy anchor to carry i'm not saying throw them away i'm just saying if that's the person you're bouncing all of your god ideas off of and all they do is say negative stuff how about you keep your god ideas and let somebody else that loves the lord talk to you and talk to them about it then iron starts sharpening iron now you're actually going to do something with it instead of trying to drag an anchor that's never going to move you got to have some new relationships where do i get them new heights church you join a life group I, i don't have time to join a life group. I got this, I got this, I got this. You haven't missed an episode of CSI in 700 years. Don't tell me you don't have time. Everybody does what they want to do. Every single person. That's not true, preacher, because I don't have enough at the end of the month. You you look back at your month. You did what you want to do. This feels like a Wednesday night message. You join a first touch team. You serve the house of God. You serve the people of God. You say, why? Because more ministry happens in the church than ever happens from this platform. You come to church and you're hurting and somebody finds out about it and they cry with you. I was talking to one of my very good friends this week. And we were talking and I just said, man, tell me, tell me, tell me how you came to the Lord. Like a heavy down comforter on a cold night, the presence of the Lord just, just fell and just, and he said, well, I was this and that, and the Lord met me, and you wouldn't believe, it's like he sent this one person into this place, and I don't know even why I listened to him that day, but I did. And Something happened, and then everything that I used to be real comfortable doing, I was now no longer comfortable with it. And I now know I was convicted. He said, But something changed, and, and then when I messed, when I messed up and I missed it, he still just picked me up and he told his story. And by the time he tells his story, I'm sitting sort there of thinking, You sound sounds just like mine. Now, it's not the same stuff, it's different people, different names, different faces, even different events. But Really, we all, if you are saved, if you know the Lord, if you've been born again, we all have the same story. We were orphans. And a really good father convinced us of how much he loved us through the sacrifice and the resurrection of his only son. He's telling the story, he gets done and he, he, says, he says, will you tell me yours? I don't have to pull out my note cards I don't have to find a tape I don't have to do anything because I am a witness of what I have experienced you walk outside and it's raining you don't have to go and look at the weather and know if it's raining you just experience the rain as a witness you're not called to tell everybody what you don't know you're not called to tell everybody my story you tell them your story and watch what happens you say, well, how do I do that? One of the easiest things, we have what's called first touch cards. They're on the table out there. Matter of fact, ushers, pass, give, give two or three to everybody out the door today. Take those cards and hand them to people and just say, hey, you'd love our church. You'd love our church. You'd love our church. And sometimes you'll say it and they'll be like, not every time. Sometimes I might throw it on the ground. I've had that happen. <laughs> That's a good time. they look at us, man. I've been looking for a church. Oh, well, wonderful. How long has it been since you've been in church? Oh, three years or so. Man, let me just tell you, when I go to church, I I don't go because I got everything together. I go because I trust the God who has everything together. And he just keeps helping me little by little all the way. And I know if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Sometimes that door just opens just enough that you can share a little bit of your story. New identity, new relationships, a new home. Oh, if I had more time, I'd talk to you about heaven. I have so many friends and family there. Sometimes I think about it. And I think about some of those that that died, even the ones that I think died at an okay time, meaning they felt like they had finished their race and they just kind of crossed over. But I think about it and if all he did was that just make it where we could have eternal life and live with our loved ones for all eternity if that's all he did it would be enough for me but he said he didn't just come to give us life but life more abundant so you get a new home and when you get a new home well let me just say it how scripture says it for the joy set before him Jesus endured the cross Cross, the cross, the most heinous execution form known to man, and he endured it, not because God muted his pain or stopped him from feeling it, exactly the contrary, he felt every lash and every nail, and every time somebody ridiculed him, he understood it, he felt it, and he endured it because of the joy set before him. Abraham traveled around looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Not because where he was was not comfortable, but because there was a joy before him that empowered him to endure. When you said yes to Jesus, you have a new home. Earth is not your home. This is, not, this is a temporary place. The joy set before me enables me to endure everything that I may come in contact with here. It's part of the witness protection program. You get a new identity, you get new relationships, and you get a new home. Lastly, and I'm going to close with this, you get new responsibilities. You get a new job. You go into witness protection, you better not go back to work at Home Depot if you go there, if you worked there before, because even if they didn't know where you lived and they didn't know your name, they might know where you work. The Bible says when, when you become a Christian you become a witness. Matthew 5.13 says, You're the salt of the earth. Some of y'all are about to go eat Mexican food. Gloria a Dios. Bienvenidos a los cucos. Lupe Tortilla. I don't know if it's really Mexican food, but I like El Fuego. Fuego, is that what it's called? Fuego. Do y'all want to have church after this? Y'all just want to go eat? Come on, give God a big hand of praise. Woo! The salt of the earth. You don't want a tortilla chip without salt? You don't want to bite a chicken without salt? Trust me on this. But if salt has lost its savor, savior, how, how will it then be salty? It's therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. God didn't cause you to, to call you to hide your faith. God didn't call you to hide your candle under a bush. He didn't call you to hide your faith. He said, I need some witnesses. He said, I need you to be a witness in the area that you think you can reach. I I want you to be a witness in the area that you think by faith you can reach. And when I open the whole world to you, I need you to be a witness there. Because let me tell you what you are. You're the light on a hill and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You've got to let your light shine. Because when you become a witness for God, now the witness sets the captives free. when when somebody is on trial they need a witness to come and testify of an experience and that testimony will do one of two things it will either convict them or it will set them free and when you tell somebody what God did for you you don't have to tell them what God did for me if it helps you do it you don't have to be good at my story you get so good at your story let me tell you what I do you don't have to do it exactly this way but this helps me I'm not even kidding about this I rehearse my testimony I say it over and over again how many times have I shared my testimony with you Matt that's cause he's he's, he's, he's slow <laughs> Tiffany said glory to God no he is very listen Pastor Matthew Humphrey is one of the smartest people I've ever been around. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He puts this together every week. Does a phenomenal job. I said, Tell me what God did for you. You ought to stop Matt sometime, ask him his testimony, ask him how he came to know the Lord. You'd be so, you'd just be moved. But then you'd say, Man, that's just like mine. Different faces, different names, different places, but it's just like mine. Because when you're a witness, Now you become an agent of deliverance. And you begin to set people free. In the natural, you you go into witness protection, you get this new identity, you get a new home, you get new relationships, you get new responsibilities, you get a new job. When you said yes to Jesus, you got a new responsibility to be a witness everywhere you go. Say it sounds like a burden, do it one time and you'll find out it's not a burden, one time. One time you say, how do you do it? You do it like Nike. Just do it. You just decide I'm going to do it. Because I have found that opportunity shows up for the willing more than it does for the able. Opportunity shows up for the willing much more than it does for the able. Stand to your feet, please. When God puts you in his witness protection program, he promised that the enemy would be rebuked. He promised that he would have his hand on you. But when you said yes to Jesus, one of the last things that Jesus said, he said, I need you to be a witness. I need you to be a representative and I need you to share your experience with somebody else. What's happening here is very, very special. I've been in church my whole life. I I, I say it like this. I was in church at least nine months before I was born. I was in church back when church, there was no such thing as kids' church. Kids' church is like Disneyland now. They're teaching them to fall in love with Jesus. It's the greatest thing you should, if you're a parent, you should go back there one service. But when I was in church growing up, I mean, it wasn't always like that. So church is, is just, it's just in my DNA. It's It's who I am. But when the Lord came to me and called me and just changed me and saved me and 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 did all the things that God will do. He asked me to do the exact same thing he's asking you to do. To be a witness. To tell someone. To tell someones. What God has done for you personally. Because when you do. What happens is, is your faith rises. Your faith strengthens he said men don't light a candle and put it under a bush but actually it gives light to the whole house then he said this let your light so shine before people that they might see your good works why so that they will glorify God which is in heaven maybe you're here today and you say pastor I feel that in my spirit I feel maybe maybe you don't even speak that language yet (laughs) my spirit you just feel it on the inside something's tugging on you You say, I want to make a fresh commitment to share my faith. I want to make a fresh commitment to be a witness where I am. And say, what happens, what if I share my faith at work and something happens? Your job doesn't supply your needs. I'm not saying beat people over the head with the Bible. I'm just telling you to be willing to share, to be a witness. No, you're, you're protected. You're in the program that protects. God is looking over His Word to perform it, and He's looking for people who are willing to share. As simple as giving out one of those cards. As simple as sharing your faith. If you're a husband and a wife, I dare you today before the sun goes down, grab a cup of coffee. If you don't like coffee, start drinking coffee because all Christians drink coffee. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm drinking some coffee. <laughs> we got on the we we Friday night. We we got we went to bed at eleven. We got up at one. We got on the plane. We went home. We put the kids to bed yesterday at six p.m. And I tried to go to bed at six p.m. But Crystal was just snoring like crazy. No, it's not true. <laughs> She's not in here. I'm joking. Couldn't sleep. I was so excited to see you guys. I love church. I love the house of God. I love Jesus. I really do. But when when. When when you become a witness, how dare you, you ma'am and sir? Just tonight, or you and you tell your kids if your kids have never heard your testimony and they're old enough, you can you can you know censor the stuff they don't need to hear. And if your testimony doesn't include some stuff that needed censoring, you know that's even better. Don't feel like you have to have something crazy. You don't have to have something crazy. The Bible says all of sin and falling short of it. Your your testimony don't have to be crazy. If your testimony is crazy, listen you don't have to be ashamed of your crazy testimony you just censor it enough that they can hear it, tell your husband and your wife just sit down and say, hey, it might even feel awkward but let's just sit down, I want to, I know you're, but I just want to tell you what God did for me when I was 12 years old and God saved me, or whatever your story is, when I was 14 years old and God saved me, and, and I feel like an angel protected me even if, it, even if it's crazy some of y'all got some crazy testimonies, angels swung down from heaven and scooped me up hey, I'm with you Tell somebody you love. Tell them and, and, and see and see what happens when you get good at telling your testimony. Watch, watch the presence of God fill your house. Then all of a sudden, let me tell you what happens. Sir, your heart will break again for your wife. Ma'am, your heart will break again for your husband. And you'll stop seeing them just as the person that you are uh, uh, sharing a home with but you start seeing them as somebody you will share eternity with because of the grace of our God. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.